glory days are here to say the 80s horror show. Take a stroll down memory lane, it's time to start the show. The gory days, the gory days, the gory days. The gory days. Keep away from Pumpkinhead unless you're tired of living. His enemies are mostly dead. He's mean and unforgiving. Laugh at him and you're undone. But in some dreadful fashion, vengeance he considers fun and plans it with a passion. Time will not erase or blot a plot that he has brewing. It's when you think that he's forgot, he'll conjure your undoing. Bolted doors and windows barred, guard dogs prowling in the yard won't protect you in your bed. Nothing will from Pumpkinhead. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the first episode of The Gory Days, the show where we take a stroll down memory slain and remember wonderful movies from the 1980s through the early 1990s and what I, in my very singular opinion, believe is the golden age of horror movies. And so, welcome, everybody, people who enjoy horror movies, people who don't enjoy horror movies, people who enjoy what they don't enjoy about horror movies, and everyone else in between. Welcome to the first episode of The Gory Days. Our first movie today is a classic. Maybe you recognize it from the opening poem, but before we get into that, I want to introduce myself and my guest, I am Kyle Leone, your host with the most, the one who sits in the chair inside this tin can of a recording studio in Los Angeles, California, and spits nonsense into my microphone until I can't anymore. And with me today is... Michael Holyland. And, uh... <laughs> Hello. Uh, how's it going? It's going pretty well. Yep. This, yeah, uh, it's quite a big studio you got here. Oh, thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we managed to get rid of all of the echoing by putting in some fake walls in right. this warehouse that we've rented out. But otherwise, yeah, very impressive. Lots very of impressive. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah. Lots of space, uh, lots of air conditioning. Mm-hmm. It just sounds yeah. great. Right, uh, your assistant's very nice too. I gotta say. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he tries. Yeah. Um. So it just occurred to me that I had a schedule that I wanted to follow, mm-hmm. sort of, that I don't have on me. So okay. why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, Mike, while I pull that up on my phone? Uh, sure. Um, wow. What's where, your relationship where... to horror? Where are you? Who are you? What who, is... who am I, man? Who am I? Um, my relationship to horror. So I, I normally, I'm not a huge fan of the genre. I, uh, I'll say that. Up Great start. Front. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Is this the horror? <laughs> uh, whoops. Um, so, yeah, I, most of the time, I think uh, a lot of the characters aren't aren't flushed out in these horror movies. And that, that's something I really care about um, in film in general. Sure, but, uh, but who are you? Who, who am People I? People are listening to the podcast, and right. you're the first guest ever. Who yeah. are you? Who is Mike Holy Land? I, I don't know, man. I'm a... I'm a what do you call yourself? I didn't introduce you correctly. I yeah. didn't know what to say. You can see him on YouTube. Yeah, you, you, probably not. Nope. No. You can't. <laughs> Twitter? Um, no. Instagram? No, no. Facebook? No. Um, you, no. 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 <laughs> no. We're not gonna let that one. Out. Right. Yeah. You could. Uh, you can mail me if you know me. Um, you could hit up Kyle and then hit up me. Uh, Sounds great. Yeah. So no, you were saying about horror. Uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, that's that's normally it's not it's not a favorite genre of mine, I suppose. But uh, I do like uh, good films and whatever genre they come. What makes a film good to you? What makes a film good? Um, I guess uh, a good good moral is part of it. Um, good uh, like a walk away feeling I. Uh, I, uh, I learned a life lesson. Oh, okay. So a catharsis. Yeah. Maybe. Some kind of feeling that you understand yourself or maybe people a little better and can now apply it out in the world. Yeah, yeah. That's accurate. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's unique. Right, Because right. I feel like a lot of movies don't do that. Yeah. So you must hate a lot of movies. Right, yeah. I feel like, you know, movies is probably my religion and a lot of these movies are just blasphemy. Okay. So I feel about it. So a great agnostic here in right, the studio today. Right. Welcome, Mike. <laughs> um, so, the film. Mm-hmm. What film did we watch? We watched uh, the 1988 Pumpkin, Pumpkinhead. That's exactly right. Yep. Pumpkinhead, probably ruined by that opening poem that it was based on. But mm-hmm. yeah, 1988 saw the release of Pumpkinhead, a 
latest addition to the cult classic horror cavalcade of Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, Chucky the Doll, and Pumpkinhead among them, <laughs> and the Xenomorph Pamalian and things like that. Here's what's weird to me. It's based off a poem. Do, do you pay the author of the poem, like, rights to, to use That's it? That's a really a, good question. Yeah. So Can if we get legal in here? <laughs> well, if we were to follow the timeline correctly, some point in time, mm-hmm. um, a poem was written. Um, and the person who wrote that poem is has a name. Yeah, I believe you. All right, yeah, yeah. It's Ed Justin. Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> I'm the host of this podcast, and I don't have the names of people. That's uh, fine. I, That's yeah, fine. I got my phone out. It's so, what was his name one more time? Ed Justin. Ed Justin, at some point in time, wrote a poem. The poem that I read at the top of the show that introduced the world to Pumpkinhead. At some point after he wrote that poem, the producers of this film got wind of it and decided that they wanted a movie written about it enter the writer of this film mm-hmm. uh, we got? <laughs> let's look that one up too. oh yeah. i'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor today imdb for hosting this <laughs> show they're giving us a lot of support today imdb it's a wonderful place to look up all movies the internet movie data bunch all right let's see here <laughs> is that what it really said yeah that's i looked it up i looked it not, up before not database hmm? it's data bunch i don't know what you mean okay i don't understand those words <laughs> so i pulled up the cast and crew here all right, so yes, Ed Justin wrote the poem, and a combination of Mark Patrick Carducci and Stan Winston, who was the director of this mm-hmm. movie. So if we're to continue following the timeline, after this movie gets written into a screenplay, the production company, whoop, oh, oh. What is by the, the name of DeLaurentis Entertainment Group, oh, aka you are prepared. DEG, oh, like oh thank you very much. Oh petitioned a man by the name of Stan Winston. Stan Winston is actually, at the time in 1987, pretty well known for having created some features for Aliens, the sequel in 1986. So they come to Stan Winston and say, can you make this monster for us? We want you to make the Pumpkinhead monster. So this movie came out after Alien 2. That's correct. Wow. Mm -hmm. And uh, they like the... Whoever was the special effects. Or they what? loved it. Because yeah. the idea was that an alien, the original alien, Alien 1, the alien is pretty slow, pretty mm-hmm. seldomly seen. It's more suspenseful than an action. Right. Um, and Aliens, the sequel, mm-hmm. much faster. And so they asked Stan Winston, they said, we need a creature monster that can move quickly and mm. in a scary, quick way. Right. And so Stan did that. Mm-hmm. And apparently the relationship was well enough that he was seeked out by DEG to make this movie, to make this creature. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is Stan Winston heard the offer and said, I would love to if I can direct. Wow. And so they, Stan Winston gets to direct his first ever feature film. Hmm. He goes from a creature makeup maker. He made the monster from Relic hmm. uh, and, uh, like we mentioned, Aliens, right. to a full-on director. So following the timeline again, Stan Winston of Stan Winston Studios becomes Stan Winston the director so he turns to his fellow uh, monster creators and says, I'm the client now. Yeah. You guys do your job, and I'll do all of my new responsibilities. Uh, I wonder how, how how much leeway he gave them, and how much was he still hands-on? A the, lot, yeah. actually. Really? They talk about, I was just reading some articles on StanWinstonStudios.com mm-hmm. about the experience of uh, the making of the movie. We'll be sure to put a link to this on the uh, description that he was a pleasure to work with, wow. that he would go out of his way to just make sure people were doing all right and, like, make jokes and be goofy. And there's there was a culture of fun throughout the wow. entire production. Right on. Which doesn't really come through in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> they mentioned Stan oh, Winston's yep. humor, sense of humor coming through mm-hmm. and just the way he handled himself on set. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah, like it doesn't no, really no, no, Not in the movie at all. <laughs> no, no. So before we get into it, um, Tom Woodruff Jr. is the person that portrays Pumpkinhead. He's the one that actually wears the suit, and he was one of the main people that... I'm uh, guessing that's his son? No, no, Uh uh, Stan Winston was the... I'm sure it's Tom Woodruff's son. Oh, I see. Tom Woodruff Sr.'s son. (laughs) Gotcha. Um, But yeah, Tom Woodruff Jr. um, has actually gone on to do a whole bunch of things. You can check out his IMDb. But um, last thing I want to say is that this was a first-time director with... A remarkably low budget for the time. What was the budget? In 1988, the budget was $3 million. Okay. Um, it, adjusting for inflation today, that's about $6.3 million in 2017. That's really dollars. low. It's a small amount of wow. money. 
for comparison's sake, the latest Transformers the last night was $250 <laughs> million dollars to make. $250 oh. dollars. Dang. Uh, how much, uh, do you know how much this movie grossed? Oh, yeah, I do. I have that written down somewhere. Nice. That's a great question. Mike with the stumpers. Uh, I got you there. All right. Oh. So I have a little thing here. Yeah. Pumpkinhead released in January 13th, 1988, after a limited release in October of 1987, as some movies like this are wont to do. It had a budget of $3 million, and it managed to gross $4 million, $385,516 and some change. So, yeah. Someone made a cool mill off that. It definitely inspired a cult classic. Mm. A lot of people really, for some reason, loved Pumpkinhead. Hmm. Um to be honest, it wasn't really critically received that great. Uh, critics recognized that Stan Winston was a first-time director, and while he did a great job at creating Pumpkinhead on a right. fraction budget, he didn't do a good job of making it scary. No, no. I and we'll get into that. Definitely not. Uh, yeah. Any thoughts you want to comment on some of the history? or? Oh, I don't know much about the, the history of it, um, but it's surprising that it's, it looks really like a high budget movie or at least a, a medium budget movie and it's surprising to me that it was made on such a on low dime i'm surprised that it made as much as it did it opened against working girl mm. um are you familiar i'm not <laughs> okay <laughs> it's uh held up as like the sister movie to die hard okay uh, it's got harrison ford um others okay <laughs> <laughs> i haven't seen it that, uh, and it also opened against gary marshall's beaches are you familiar mm, with that no no it's um they're it's funny, both of these movies are more popular for the songs that they inspired. Hmm. Um, for Beaches, the, I mean, um, for, what was the first Working Girl? Or Working Something? For Working Girl, it yeah. was um, Carly Simon's Let the River Run. Hmm. That was a big uh, yeah, song yeah. that was written for the movie and got, like, you know, top chart, uh, chart topping. And then for Beaches, it was The Wind Beneath My Wings. The Wind mm -hmm. Beneath My Wings was I heard that song for yeah. Beaches. Yeah, yeah right. so both wow. of those. Also did much better than Pumpkinhead mm -hmm. uh, opening up against. Um, I did mention earlier that it had a limited release in October, and then its full release was in January. I personally find that very strange, to release a horror movie in January. Mm -hmm. I feel like it would have done pretty well right. opening in October. Right, yep. Um, yeah, that, is, that is an odd choice. Why, why limit the release, right, in the hot season? In October. Right. That's when everybody goes yeah. to see Halloween movies. Exactly. Uh, for the last, like, or for a straight seven years, Saw movies were coming out every Halloween to the point that the taglines were, if it's Halloween, it must be Saw. Never heard that one. Severing their tongue straight through the cheek. Um, but yeah, I think we've uh, talked a little bit enough about uh, kind of what uh, was going on at the time. Are we, are we digging into the film now? Well, before we do, I just wanted to rattle off some of the taglines that this movie uh, put forth in some of its marketing. Like I said, Pumpkinhead opened in 1988 with some posters of grotesque claws opening up a pumpkin. But the pumpkin looks a lot like a brain or a skull, so it's a pretty graphic image. And coupled with that image were things such as cruel, devious, pure as venom, all hell's broken loose. And others, for each of man's evils, a special demon exists. And my personal favorite... A grim fairy tale. Grim with one M. Hmm. We were very clever back then. So, I think that's a good time to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get right into all the wonderful things. We're going to do a quick synopsis and then talk about what we thought about the film. What we loved, what we hated, what we loved to hate. And then we'll lick... Ah, like <laughs> First episode. Then we'll get some questions from our Twitter followers and some observations and things. And, uh, yeah, when we come back, come back, back to the gory days. Gory days. The gory days. Hey, guys. Are you a parent? Are you a dad? Are you a mom? Are you a father? Are you a mother? If you've answered yes to any or all of these questions, this ad is for you. Because for a limited time only, McDonald's is giving away free french fries to any person that brings in their child and proves with a DNA test that they are their biological kids. Sorry, stepdads and stepmoms. Sorry, adoptive dad and adaptive mo adoptive moms. You guys are S. O L, but for everyone who has a biolage, walk into any McDonald's, 
and you will get free fries, provided you are able to provide a paternity or maternity test or DNA evidence that you are in fact their father or mother. McDonald's. I'm loving it. All right, and we're back. Welcome to The Gory Days, the show where we take a stroll down memory slain to remember some of our favorite movies from the 1980s and early 1990s. We are talking about Pumpkinhead, and joining me here in the studio, of course, is Mike Holyland. So, for those of you who have not seen Pumpkinhead, and shame on you, you really should have listened and watched the episode before, or watched the movie before listening to this episode. As soon as you saw that we were talking about Pumpkinhead, you should have watched it and then come right back. But for those of you who are pathetic and did not, we'll give a very brief synopsis of just what happens in Pumpkinhead. So, the story opens in 1957, and there's a very small family, a mom, a dad, and a son, and they're holed up in a tiny little shack. And the dad is acting strange. Mama, why is daddy acting so strange? And sure enough, he pulls up his rifle and sits by the door. And there's knocking. There's a man running through the woods. And a straight up shot of pumpkin head. Like pretty clear. Right. Of just like a flash. Um, and uh, he's banging on the door. Let me in. Let me in. And he says, I'm not letting you in. I didn't kill those girls. I don't know nothing about that. And I don't want to. Until pumpkin head drags and lifts him to death um and that's pretty much Pumpkinhead's mo flash forward to present day <laughs> i yep. love when movies do this <laughs> yeah we're, we're watching this in 2017 as present day seemed like a flashback but. present day would have been 1987 or 1988 but i feel like none of that's relevant because it takes place in this rural countryside mm. that i'm not really familiar where is it supposed to be i don't know i don't know <laughs> What was odd to me is, uh, first, it starts at, like, 1957, and you see, like, cars and stuff, like... Oh, were there? Yeah. So, like trucks? There were trucks, and, like, these are farmers, and... Yeah. I don't know how that's not in. So we're introduced to the Harley family, Ed and son, Billy. Mm -hmm. Ed Harley is, quite honestly, a pretty good dad. Mm -hmm. He goes over, and he washes his son's hands, and he tells him about some story, and then his son comes in, and he says, I made you something. I have a present, and he brings it in, and it's a necklace. And instead of smacking the crap out of his son and telling him what a girl he is <laughs> for doing arts and crafts and looking like Jonathan Lipnicki with his Coke bottle glasses, <laughs> he accepts it and says, I'm never going to take this off. Right, and then he puts it on. Uh, he's a pretty good dad. Yeah, he's and a he, very good dad. And he never takes it off through the whole movie. Right. So then, as he's telling a story, as Ed is telling a story to his son Billy, we get a jump cut to these delinquent teens that are going on yeah this is what was weird it seemed like okay there was the the wild brother uh then his brother and then there was these like other two who kind of it was like the photographer lady and her friend and, and it seemed like how, how would that group even hang out I mean, <laughs> well there's six of them okay there's uh chris joel kim Steve, Tracy, and Maggie. Mm -hmm. Now, I can't tell you who's who. Right. I can tell you that Chris is the, the blondish. No, okay, Chris okay. is the blondish one that like doesn't want to do anything, and and we'll get to his how okay. he ends up at the end. Um, Joe mm -hmm. is the one That's that the, is. Uh, hey, I'm a motorcycle dude. He's yeah. driving his car. For some reason, the other four are crammed into a car together, right. and Joe and his girlfriend, maybe so, uh, Kim. I think. Uh, hang on. I, I wrote. I wrote that. Yeah. Her name is Kim. Okay. Yeah. So it's Joe and Kim are together. Right. Because it's Joe and Kim, Chris and Maggie. No. Chris. Well. Chris and Tracy. Mm -hmm. Steve is just kind of like Joe's best friend, kind of, or he has like. I think it's his brother, right? Or someone's. His that's brother. right. That's right. Because right. he says, yeah. "Hey." He's my brother. <laughs> like, God, just beating us over the head. <laughs> Let me establish this relationship. So the first yeah. lines uh, we hear out of Joe's mouth is, oh, his girlfriend Kim asks, man, why do you got to bring that rifle all the time? And Joe manlish, very mannishly responds, you'll never know what you'll find in the jungle. <laughs> I don't know if he adds a yo at the end, but it sure feels like there should have been one. So... They see a hitchhiker on the side of the road. They think that's funny. Mm -hmm. They keep driving, and they stop off at Ed. I'm, not, I'm sorry, Harley and Sons, which is Ed and his son's little... Grocery uh, shop. Exactly, yeah. which looks kind of nice. Yeah. 
uh, the or idea that Billy, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, the idea that Billy doesn't go to school doesn't seem to phase anybody. It right. seems like it's a really tight knit rural community. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, 1988. What was uh, you know, <laughs> like the the kid, the teenagers yeah. are obviously modern. Right. They come in with dirt bikes, mm-hmm. and that's the thing is like, um, Joe sa- Joe is driving his car, and he asks him, "Can you give me a beer while driving?" Just like cartoonishly <laughs> delinquent. <laughs> Um, and how, how old are are those kids? They, uh, I'm guessing at least 21. Right, but they were drinking. they were super delinquent. They were drinking and driving. Mm-hmm. I have to say. And Joe does mention that he was on probation for hitting another girl before this, mm-hmm. and that's anyway. So they meet the Harleys. Joe and Steve are so antisocial that they have to go on dirt bikes, and then this hillbilly family pops up. Right. With a bunch of kids in the back, and the kids are like the same color as the dirt and the <laughs> yeah. grime everywhere. Yep. Um, and uh, little J- Jimmy Joe steals Billy's ball that he was throwing at his dog Ginger, and that's when the other hillbilly kids are like, you know what happens to bad kids who steal things? They surround him and start chanting or they reciting start ch- the poem. Uh-huh. They start yeah. reciting the uh, Pumpkinhead poem, and the other teens just kind of stand and watch as these siblings harass their their younger brother right. until one of them may think maggie the photographer lady yeah, yeah. says it's like stop right and she seems really like phased by this more than anyone yeah and then the kid bud uh comes up and is like <gasps> like what are you gonna do about it <laughs> these filthy kids they have nothing yeah. she's she has this camera and they're like what's that mm-hmm. and uh, uh bud's like it's a camera dummy <laughs> It's like I'll take your picture, and they don't even—they don't know to smile. They don't right. understand, and so it's like, what? Why am I afraid of these? Why do? Why is she afraid of these people? Anyway, all of this leads up to uh, the. Oh yeah, okay. So all of this leads up to the big event, the big impetus for this. Ed has to go home and pick up some things. I don't remember. Why does he have to leave? Uh no, Ed. So he's deliver the uh, he's delivering the feed. Some oh, that's right. He forgot for, it for um, that family, the yeah. hillbilly family, for Big Bud. Right. Uh, so he has to go and ship that out, and uh, he's like telling his kid, "Hey, just sit here and stay inside." Of course, the dog runs out after the motorcycles. That damn dog! Here's the motorcycles and runs out, right. and then that damn kid chases that damn dog into the damn motorcycles mm-hmm. and sure enough squash yeah billy gets landed on i think by a yeah, motorcycle it looks like he gets hit uh, here's what what's kind of odd is uh <laughs> whenever there's like any intense action it seems like it's like shot into one half and then like the other half and you never like, see any impact right right nothing ever happens in the same shot i guess that's expensive to do because you need to have stunts. a stunt kid yeah yeah so they just kind of, oh, you figure out what happened because you know it you comes saw. Up, it comes up several times where right. y- you're shown, like, oh my gosh, this is about to happen, and then you're suddenly not shown the main <laughs> thing, and then you see, you see the it aftermath after, yeah. 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 So it's it, it's it's a really weird shot, and it really confused me because. I thought Billy was instantly killed, mm-hmm. and I was yeah, it's impression. really confusing. It's really they're... confusing because Billy is blinking, right. but they're like. Like caring for him, they don't know what they're doing. One of them says, "Keep him warm." Yeah, it's like it's super hot out. It's a crazy hot yeah. sunny day, and he's like, "Keep him warm." They put the jacket on him, right. and then the dad. Oh, okay. So Joe, oh, says, like, don't move him. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. I mean, that's right. smart. That's smart. They yeah. don't move him and things. But what's but, not like, smart? They could have gotten him to like a hospital, maybe. Or they could have called nine one one. Right. They could have. But the whole thing is that Joe has. Uh, He's already he's on probation. Pri- he's got priors, man. He's got priors. He's got priors. They're going to yeah. find him. Right. They're going to throw him into the clink. And he was drinking. Uh, he was drinking. Yeah. He was drinking. And so a drunk driver killed Ed's son. Mm-hmm. Billy, re- um, Ed returns and finds his dead son. Uh, Steve says, it was an accident. Can we help? And Ed gives him this look. I'm going to kill you. I'm, I I'm wish you, it was you. Yep. I wish it was you. Mm-hmm. This is what it says on his face. So then... They just gotta leave. Steve, get the. This is also like a big hysteria by the other teenagers. Like they get uh, to a cabin. Like one of them, uh, Emma, like freaks out, or I don't know, one of them. Oh, Maggie. Maggie, that's like yeah, she's she's like shocked, right? Because she she almost prevented the kid from running in, but she yeah, she she tripped, right? Yeah, so I guess she feels some kind of feels guilty for it. That's Uh, that's a really good observation that is not really clear, right? Because she's just 
she's like sitting on the couch and i thought she but was she's passed out frozen yeah it's chris weird. carries her in and like puts her on the couch and i thought oh yeah uh, i didn't get it and then joe starts unloading on all of them he mm-hmm. decks chris uh chris punches joe and then joe clobbers him in the back of the head which with a... also is weird because you see the punch and then like it's clearly fake yeah. like uh... it's one of those stage punches where it's like i'll stand between you and the audience and go Pow! Yeah, right and then uh he just falls off into the distance uh-huh yeah. reaches for a log then clobbers him and then right. i guess and that's that... that's also like you see him taking the log and about to strike him and then the next cut is him falling him, yeah just already bleeding out yeah and... super weird yeah. so that's how joe like, establishes they his... gotta have a budget for that <laughs> you know that's what i'm saying yeah, oh uh, where did most of the money go yeah. uh it couldn't have all gone into pumpkin head yeah, it probably did pumpkin uh-huh. looks great it really does um yeah so anyway uh Joe establishes his dominance over the other teens, mm-hmm. and then we go back to uh, Ed. So uh, let me let me. One thing that happens is they they try to call. Uh, oh, that's right. They try to call the police, but uh, Joe yanks out the uh, phone line, and then um, he locks them up in the closet. Mm-hmm. The the two that were trying to. That's the first thing he does when he gets there is rip the phone line out, and right. then he just kind of stares. There's this weird energy that Joe puts forth that he's like, he's, I go he's back scared. To prison, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. All I know is I have to stop you guys from doing the thing that doesn't seem right to me. Mm-hmm. And in that way, it's pretty good. I feel like it comes mm-hmm. off that he's like a desperate, incidentally dangerous, scary guy. Right, right. That we were all just going to go to this cabin and have sex and right. have a good time. And now he's beating the shit out of all of us and yeah. locking us up in closets. And uh oh. There was also like um, his girlfriend was kind of uh like oh don't start with him sort of thing yeah like, yeah he's, um he's a, kim a was the one guy. that said he's got he's got a prior from when he hit mm-hmm. that uh, little girl and she got hurt so no we we can't we can't go to the police or anything so that's when ed delivers his uh um feed to bud and his uh, super poor family mm-hmm. but incidentally he brings bill's body and shows it to bud and asks bud you know i heard about a woman, old woman, lives somewhere around here. But it's like, I don't know anything about that. You just yeah. go home and bury your boy. Yeah, at first he's like, uh, he, when he's about to pay him, he's like, oh, don't worry about it if you can help me out you know, finding this woman. Uh, and he, then he gives him the money. He's like, mm-hmm. no, I don't, I don't want... That's his way of saying, yeah. I don't want in this trouble. Right. You just take him and you bury him and you bury the vengeance that you feel in your heart with him. Mm-hmm. But Kid Bud mm-hmm. is a kid. And doesn't understand the repercussions. He, he looks like uh, Ron Weasley. Is. He does. Yeah. He does have a, a Ron Weasley look to him. Yeah. So Kid Bud tells him of Hackus, mm-hmm. who lives out in the middle of the woods. And uh, yeah, and so uh, Ed asks him to show him the way there. He goes about halfway. And then we're shown a swamp, mm-hmm. I guess, that exists somewhere in this rural countryside. And that's where we meet the old, I'm going to call her a witch. Yeah. She seems like a witch. Uh, a witch Haggis. Is, yeah. And I love that she's just sitting in front of a roaring fire, enjoying the fire. I mean, it's clear that she takes care of her home. Right. It's not as dirty as I imagine. No, it's pretty home. clean, yeah. <laughs> it's, that's, There's, it's like, like, candles laid out, too. And mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah. like, freshly lit candles. It's cleaner right. than some hoarder homes I've seen. No, definitely. Which is take care yeah. of themselves. No, no, no. So I just, it was funny seeing that. Show. Not of her personally. She was gross, but her house, immaculate. Yeah, she could yeah. use some lotion. Right. She could take care of her yeah, skin. Yeah. She, she has a moisturizer in a yeah. while. And she had a southern accent, but I couldn't tell if it like had a little bit of like a twang to it, like she was a like from the bayou. Mm-hmm. I couldn't really tell, like no. if she was one of those witches, but she's the one that tells him that yeah, there's there's a way to get this. Um and all you have to do is dig it up at a graveyard uh where people what was it? Uh it's where people buried their kin. Mm-hmm. Kin they don't want. Mm. so he goes and, he, and he's like oh how will i know you'll know yeah. so he just walks around with a shovel well, well first off no. he, he wants to uh he wants to like help revive his kid that's right but she's like no i can't do that there's nothing i can do for him mm-hmm. um and then he's I like i wonder if she's tried before and that's why she says i don't that's mm. not something i can do because it doesn't work out yeah or, do, or she's just like yeah yeah, strong enough. Right. Or it's literally not possible. Right. She knows it. Right. This is a world where demons exist, but yeah. resurrection, completely out of the question. Can't happen. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> can't happen. Uh, it's like genie's rules. Can't raise people back from the dead. Can't make people fall in love. Uh, what's the third rule? I don't know. 
Um, can't wish for more wishes? Yeah, can't yeah. wish for more yeah. wishes. That's it. Um, God, the obvious one. Yeah. <laughs> but no, her place is so funny. She's got an owl, like, up oh, in the rafters. Yeah, <laughs> she's got a rat uh, in, like, a different area of the yeah, house. Yeah. It's like, this just, yep, and she's you, a witch. you never see the owl again, <laughs> no. by the way. It's just one shot. I bet that owl has a name, though. Yeah. It's something like Artemis mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Um, or uh, Minerva, who knows. But yeah, I found that super funny. And then, for no reason, he pulls out a bunch of, like, silver pieces. Right, he wants to pay her Did for... he just have those? Maybe he like grabbed them before he was he collecting them. I don't know. It seemed like maybe some of it was his wife. And who told him that she needs silver? She accepts silver. That's how she works, man. (laughs) Like he went. (laughs) What black magic needs? He skipped money. Skipped roots and like Mm -hmm. berries and food. I don't know. Skipped eye of newt and went straight to silver. Is that a thing in mythology? I I don't. I mean, I guess it's a precious metal. It might make. She, she might need it in some spells or something. I don't know. Anyway, he wanders around. He finds a plateau um, of, like, a above-ground grave that's mm-hmm. still underground, and he digs up. Well, she, she, first of all, she, she doesn't seem really interested in the money at no. all. Like, it's not, uh, she didn't ask for it or anything like she that. She didn't really accept it. Yeah. So. Hmm. But it's the transaction all that right. makes her go, okay, yeah. like, this is what you'll find. So yeah. he brings home a shriveled-up baby pumpkin head. Uh, mm-hmm. And then she does a pretty realistic witch, uh, like, ritual which is basically just your blood your blood mm-hmm. in various places and then Pumpkinhead is this little itty bitty baby and i don't know i guess it's my fault i was kind of expecting Pumpkinhead to kind of age with the movie mm. but instead it's newborn pumpkin head and then yeah. teenage pumpkin right, head right. and then a full pretty grown quickly, pumpkin yeah. head yeah pretty quickly yeah. um i'm not disappointed it's just like he goes he ages pretty quickly and then goes around doing what he does best pulling people and lifting them up until they die um yep. yeah <laughs> he kind of so, toys with them that's, that's what yeah. oh it's so funny yeah. Pumpkinhead has this weird like fascination with like playing with his kills right, right. he'll uh he takes i think it's maggie um mm-hmm. who the first person that sees steven get killed because she runs out into the woods and steven's like look at your cross you're gonna be okay <laughs> yeah unless she snaps out of her whatever trance she was in for a second yeah. before Pumpkinhead lifts steven away right. then Pumpkinhead lifts maggie away and mm-hmm. kind of like starts to claw a cross on her face right. to like make fun of her i don't know whatever it's... anyway the funny part is that he takes maggie and it's like holding her up in the window and is like doo, 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 and then smashes her through it yeah i wasn't it. sure if that was supposed to be funny or not maybe that was some of steven uh, uh, maybe that's the humor coming through some of his patented humor yeah. <laughs> um yeah it's super funny uh who is it th- oh ed ed starts to realize uh what's going on because he's feeling like these weird like trances or convulsions i don't know the, the the scene gets oversaturated and um stuff and so he goes back to uh the witch he goes back to haggis and says not like this i didn't want to like this and she's like you can't stop it now um yeah then what happens yeah. well she, she's like you can't stop it now ed you'll die too oh that's right yeah mm-hmm. So then we go back to the cabin in the woods. Uh, Joe has found a kitchen machete. He runs out into the night and screams, I'm the one you want. All of a sudden, for no reason, suddenly realizing after three of his friends have died that this is the stakes. I should just turn myself in. Mm-hmm. Dying to the monster is better than going to prison. Right. Before 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 they even go out, there's like a point where he he's like, you know what? I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to whatever call the police or whatever he, he lets the other guys go out that's right closet. he says like, i'm gonna do the right thing and i'm yeah. gonna do it now and right. he lets them out and they don't beat the crap out of yeah. him they're still like kind of a trepidatious <laughs> right him. he doesn't tell he doesn't tell that to them he, he tells that to his anything. girlfriend yeah <laughs> he doesn't say to them i'm letting you out because i'm doing the right thing right. he lets them out to ostensibly trick them some more yeah. or lock them and up they just seem else. like relieved and they understand everything <laughs> they're like oh yes he's doing the right thing he's good now yeah so now them because they had this time inside the closet together mm-hmm. they're like a couple or i mean nah, i don't know they're linked because even before they, they were like that's true at least buddies or something and they like. were like the morally righteous ones right which is, it seems like it's, it was weird to me that they even hung out with the other guys like that's a weird group of friends so then the next thing I remember is Pumpkinhead being at the top of a really high tree, way up there, holding on to... Branches. It must have been Tracy. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, whatever. But he's holding on to her, and he drops her. And once again, this is another one of those weird shots where you see her fall, then you see the people watching her, right. and then you see her on a rock, mm-hmm. a big, big rock. Yep. Like, she definitely died as soon as, as, right. soon as she hit that. Kind of would have been nice to see. Yep. I don't know. Right. Maybe it was, no, no money for that. Yeah, maybe it was the 1980s. Maybe mm-hmm. they didn't want to show that. Um, so let's just get to the end. Uh, they find Bud. Uh, uh, sorry, Chris and Maggie find Bud. And Jesus, they do this thing. Uh, oh, wait, no. <laughs> I, I got ahead of myself a little right. bit. Um, first, Pumpkinhead, like, they beat him. Like, he falls. and Yeah, he, they shoot him, too. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, Ed comes back and shoots him. Ed comes back and shoots Pumpkinhead, and Pumpkinhead falls. And yeah. Ed is like, whoa, I'm so woozy. And mm-hmm. they're like, he's dead. And, oh no no no! One of them's like, you don't know if it's, he's dead. Right, so Joe walks like, over to it. Joe, the oh, forensic expert, <laughs> shoots it in the head yeah. and then goes, "Oh, he's dead." Yeah. And then Pumpkinhead grabs him and gets Joe. Mm-hmm. And I didn't expect him to get him that early. I kind of expected Joe to last. I don't know, a little bit longer. Right. Um, because in that way, Ed doesn't really get any revenge or catharsis no. or anything. Here's the thing, though. He didn't know who it was mm. who killed this kid. When he's talking to the, the hillbilly family, he's like... City folk. City folk, exactly, yeah. He doesn't know who killed him. It was city folk who it's killed him. It's just these, the other killed right. him. They were all complicit, yeah, basically. So to him, they're all guilty of this. And there's an argument to be made. So Pumpkinhead kills Joe by penetrating him with a rifle. It's a really mm-hmm. funny moment that you think Pumpkinhead is just going to shoot him with the gun <laughs> and instead <laughs> stabs him with the rifle, yeah, which is better. It, it's weird because he holds it in a way that you kind of would hold a rifle. Yeah, and I was like, wait, is he going to shoot him? <laughs> <laughs> but then he just like stabs him through. So like, okay, all right, that's fine. I thought that was hilarious. And then Pumpkin has apparently friend to animals because that's when a dog uh starts biting Ed. Yeah, like, I, I didn't understand that. Is so, that the movie's way of saying, oh, Ed is linked to Pumpkinhead, and so maybe. the animal doesn't like him? But it, it seemed weird. Like, it really seemed like Pumpkinhead summoned the animal to attack him. The animal was there. Pumpkinhead roared. So then the animal wasn't attacked. there like it kind of just popped <laughs> into the scene. Well, there was the dude. It was like some other hillbilly guy who was like you you guys get out of here or else i'll shoot and they're like please we just want to use your truck and then poof pumpkinhead's there old man shoots him goes down joe thinks he's dead yeah um then act three where we find the burned church uh, Mm. that bud takes them to and that's when we get beaten over the head with stuff we already know (laughs) we've watched the whole movie and bud still has to explain to uh uh chris and and maggie or no the tale of Pumpkinhead. What is her name? Uh, hmm, I don't know. Ah, oh, god dang know. it. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, the final girl. Right. The final girl and Chris, the legend of Pumpkinhead. And mm-hmm. he, like, really gets into it as if we hadn't been watching the whole right, movie. Right. All I could think, I wrote this Previously in, on Pumpkinhead. I wrote this in big, giant capital letters. We know! <laughs> we know! And then they get into the slowest chase ever. So they go into inside of a church. Mm-hmm. And it's a burnt-down church. Is like It's, it's hollowed a, ground. It's, yeah, there's it's like it's got no roof. It's just got, like, a... A skeleton of a church. Yeah. And there's this big wooden cross in the back, uh, which kind of has a scene on itself. Yeah. So <laughs> they get away. They see Pumpkinhead in the doorway. And, and then they bolt run. from the other side. Scene goes on right. as Pumpkinhead meanders his way right. slowly around the church. Which I, I didn't get it. Like, is Pumpkinhead trying to convert or is he like it's like seeing the light is this supposed to be scary is it supposed to break down like oh he's a demon demons hate churches and crosses nope it's supposed to just say like he is all powerful and nothing's gonna stop right he then turns turns apart the uh the the cross and uh, continues on his chase what the slowest but, chase? Uh, yeah. So then I love this. Um, but I, th- I think it has a part to do with uh, him being linked to to Ed. Like maybe that's Ed losing his faith. Well, maybe. Game. Well, maybe that's not. An interesting. Take. Wrestling with it. Oh, okay. Well, so, let's like, save the analysis okay, right. for a little bit. We're sure, almost sure, done. Sure. Uh, my favorite death. Uh, Pumpkinhead can set traps. Pumpkinhead turned over their cars. Oh yeah. But left. <laughs> This was hilarious. But left the dirt bike intact, yeah. just sitting there. Right, so that right. Chris runs up to it, telling Mag- Maggie's right. like, don't. And he's like, stay there. 
was his plan to ditch her? Yeah, maybe he's going to call for help. I don't know. Because he turns on the motorcycle, mm-hmm. he revs it, and then Pumpkinhead is like, nah, <laughs> Got your chain, Got bro. Got the bike chain. Pumpkinhead, the mechanic, right. who understands how motorcycles... Not just that, he's got, like, the fine motor skills to take apart the link of and a... And mock him with it. <laughs> oh. I go, nah, not with your chain. Oh, man. So, then there's, like... There's a weird shot where Billy, uh, where Bud and Maggie uh, have gotten into a house because Ed came and said, come with me, I'm going to keep you safe. So uh, the girl, the final girl tells uh, Bud, I'm going to go talk to him, to Mr. Hurley. <laughs> and then Bud kind of looks at this weird altar to Billy. There's like candles and pictures of Billy on like a beer cask. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Was that Ed? Did he make that? Um, I assume so. I mean, who else would, would do that? Yeah, I guess that? you're right. But then the funniest thing happens. Um, my favorite movie, Face Off, happens. Face where off. Uh, <laughs> Pumpkinhead's face suddenly becomes oh, Ed's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then finally we're led, uh, we're shown what they've been hinting at for right. a while now. That So before, whenever Pumpkinhead was injured, Ed was injured too and vice versa. Whenever like a pitchfork went through Ed. That's the big moment is that yeah. Ed has his flamethrower. Yeah, which just flame out of nowhere. He just MacGyver's his flamethrower. Is that on farms? Do you need flamethrowers to clear <laughs> out crops and dead stuff? I don't, I don't know. know. That but it seems like he's working on it. For it looks like, like he made it. Right. Like, But it, t- it didn't take him long. He nope. was, he he's was, a MacGyver. Boom. Yeah, he's got it. Yeah. So he ditches it immediately mm-hmm. because it gets caught on a, a nail and then he gets stabbed with the pitchfork and then it's the most obvious moment where it's like oh they're one to one right they're connected physically yep. and so ed figures that out and starts beating the shit out of himself kind of yeah. a little bit yeah, yeah, yeah um and then tries to shoot himself in the and head he, he runs into his car and he has a pistol there and uh there's like a he holds the gun up to his temple it's yet again another one of those weird moments he holds the gun up to his temple we see some of the team struggling a yeah. gunshot happens right and then pumpkin head falls down falls. and then we see like oh yeah he's dead he killed himself. with kind of a bullet hole right, i can't right. really tell maybe it was like a fleshish wound because he holds it kind of looks like it wouldn't go right right yeah, it, it would just go like, up. grazed him yeah so then he drops the gun uh, final girl realizes that they're linked. Still, kind of mm-hmm. hesitates at like yeah. I'm gonna shoot Pumpkinhead. Well, I mean, she, she she's she's like, should I kill this guy? Who's ah. right? Who was the good guy? We killed right. his son. Right, right. Should right, I kill right. him too? And yeah. it's he's saying, kill me. Right. He you kill me and look at Pumpkinhead. Yep. So she does, and Pumpkinhead dies. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see what happens at the end then. Well, Pumpkinhead's Pumpkinhead's body just bursts into flame. That's right. Pumpkinhead spontaneously combusts. Yeah. They're they're like breathing. They're finally being able to sigh relief, and then <laughs> he mm-hmm. uh, bursts into a bunch of flames. Um, and then the neat little twist: right. you see Haggis at the. A pumpkin pumpkin plateau, Mm -hmm. burying a new pumpkin head, a new shriveled up pumpkin head. And what does this new pumpkin head have around his neck? The same necklace his son gave him. The same necklace Billy made, the Mm -hmm. one that he said he would never take off. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. That was really cool. So that's the movie of Pumpkinhead, and then it goes straight into the credits. Yep. So now's the wonderful part of the show that we talk about some of the analysis and some of the things that uh, we gleaned from the movie, some of the things that we thought it was trying to tell us, that it failed to tell us, um, and wonderful things like that. So, so I liked um, Thank you. when, uh, so at first I was like, who the heck is bearing Pumpkinhead and this, uh, this weird patch you know it's kind of like so let's break down what pumpkin heads mythos is mm-hmm. apparently if you experience uh an injustice great enough to inspire vengeance in your heart you that vengeance it. can manifest into a demon of vengeance and it calls back to the tagline and it's a line that haggis actually says for every one of man's evils there's a demon oh, let me mm-hmm. try to get it right what is it I like that, um, so, at first I was like, who the heck is burying this thing? Because we first see Pumpkinhead take, uh, take this other guy who killed the, the girls back in 1957. So, Pumpkinhead ostensibly is a vegetable that mm-hmm. needs to be cultivated with vengeance every now and then. Right. Is that right. accurate? That's not I, accurate. I, I don't know, but, <laughs> <laughs> um... 
he he does would... grow mm -hmm. like a vegetable, and yeah. he is kind of planted. But what was weird to me, like when I first was watching it, like, oh, why? Who buried the last pumpkin head? And I was like, why is this? Is it Haggis every time? Yeah, it must have been. Maybe she's like, what do you call it? Immortal or ethereal? I, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, that is a strange element. Is uh, essentially Pumpkinhead is replaced every time Pumpkinhead summoned. Right. I guess. It's, which I thought was really cool because it means cool. that every time the new Pumpkinhead felt remorse that he shot or caused this caused Pumpkinhead to happen, so he killed himself. It's the m and tried to save the the people he was trying to get vengeance at it's the moral or like the lesson that i think is to be learned is that vengeance corrupts absolutely mm. and even if you want to summon this demon and think that you're totally separate from that demon eventually the vengeance will take over you and it will right. end. it'll be your end and yep. you will become the demon of vengeance i like the implication that every time a person feels so wronged that they need to summon Pumpkinhead, it ends with them becoming the um, demon of vengeance. Yep. Uh-huh. It's I pretty great. really cool. Because yep. Ed became the demon of vengeance the moment he looked at Steven with that mm -hmm. look on his face yep. and the moment he decided, I need to go to Haggis. Yeah. It was just kind of weird. Like, his son wasn't quite dead yet. No. <laughs> and that's what was weird. I thought he was. Right. I thought the boy was just a bad actor because yeah. the boy's blinking right, a right. lot. And I was like, oh, he's just a terrible actor. That kid's right. dead. But uh, he, he, like, repeats some... He says one more, yeah. yeah. He brings him home, and he's uh, he's he's repeating the story that he, uh, he told, told him. him. Yeah, about the great son or something like that. Uh -huh. And then uh, the son finishes the, he the says, story. Daddy? Yeah. And then he dies. Right. And that's when he dies. And it's right. kind of, yeah. Yeah, they should have made that clear. Yeah. They should have just bike hit some dead kid. So the biggest players in this movie are uh, Billy, the kid, Ed, uh, Harley, Harley and Ed, Haggis, the witch, Pumpkinhead, of course, and Kid Bud. Mm -hmm. um, the kid who looks who, like Ron Weasley. Yeah, the Ron Weasley kid who yeah. ends up intervening a lot. Um, so this whole movie paints Pumpkinhead and the mythos and everyone that believes in it as being from a backwater, rural, closed-off, <laughs> hating of city folk community. Uh, right. I don't know. What do you think of portraying of Hollywood portraying? Uh, people who live off the land as yeah. inherently backwater and believing in witchcraft and all kinds of stuff well I, they believe in it but it's it is real that's the thing it's sort of like oh city folk don't understand does that it's, make it better does it i don't know does legitimizing it, the 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 podunk people's ignorance and belief in, well it's not it's not ignorance if it's real i guess so right. yeah it is it is but I'm talking... Okay, so yes, within the universe of Pumpkinhead, they yeah. are legitimized in believing this crazy thing. Mm -hmm. In the meta world of the real world, Hollywood right. is perpetuating this idea that if you're from the city mm -hmm. who go and see these movies, right. be careful about going out into the country because Leatherface is out there, Pumpkinface is out there, the monster from Jeepers Creepers is out there, mm -hmm. all out into in the, in the world wilderness. backwater. Yep. There's this uh, villainizing of uh, like children of the corn just mm -hmm. a uh, rural closed off community that isn't really connected with other things and uh, somehow that inherently inspires evilness in it and I, I think it's part of like yeah, what do you think the so the the audience is mostly city city uh, you know urban yeah. um, Hollywood right and so what do you fear you fear the unknown most people haven't been to these small towns in the middle of nowhere and so you're you don't know. That leads to my next question. Who is this movie for? Hmm. Because the bad guys are the city folk. And then well, everyone's a bad guy. Yeah, kind of. I mean, so first off, most of them didn't even do anything no, bad or responsible. No, they even tried to stop it. Right. Um, but what's his name? Uh, Ed is like, uh, hey, they killed my kid. They're city folk. Right. They're city folk. They do them. crazy things for no reason. Um, so he, he kind of becomes the villain. He becomes the... But what, so what do you think about that? As yeah. the, the movie, as the audience member, mm -hmm. typic, typically in a movie, the protagonist and the antagonist are pretty obviously separate in right. who is who. This is a remarkably gray moral I really like that about area. it. Uh, yeah, you did? good, yeah. Because uh, a, a good movie to me has no 
villains. I mean, it's easy if you're like, oh, this person's just evil. It's easy to, uh, to just want bad things to happen to them. But when you're like, oh, did, did I want something bad to happen to Ed? Not really. He just lost his, his son. I would but, hazard to even call Haggis evil. I would hesitate to even call yeah. Haggis evil. Well, I, I would still call her evil. You would? Yeah, cause, because cause she knew what was going to happen. That's true. And I she, feel like she did try to warn right. him. But she, she did, but it was ex- kind of like, yeah, they never listen. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's kind of... She She has this, um like, uh she has this air about her at the end that's kind of like the Chinaman, the, the like, uh, Chinaman, oh my God. <laughs> 2017, I'm sorry, anybody, any Chinese American or Chinese listeners out there, that's not what I meant. I am referring to the man who uh, is in Gremlins and gives the family the mogwai and then comes home and takes it at the end. He's like... He's like, you guys knew. I told you what would happen. Oh, Dumb seen, white man. I haven't seen the movie, but yeah. Oh, we this, should watch Gremlins. That'd okay. be another good one. Um, yeah. So she has this air about her. It's like, I knew. I told him. <laughs> right. I told him. And now what I'm you burying do? him. Right. Yeah. She 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 compl- she warns him several times, but she's like, well, this is how things are. It's the natural natural order of things. You gotta you gotta bury some pumpkin heads every few centuries or so yeah this movie manages to subvert a number of horror tropes that uh carried a lot of what this genre is what i thought it was um things like the final girl there are two people that survive mm-hmm. at the end yes. three if you count bud who right. he wasn't really chasing after anyway yes. it's typical that one person survives and it's usually the woman so mm-hmm. this was uh interesting to see chris kind of barely survive he raises his arm i thought yeah. he was dead once again he, he, yeah that, that, it was really unclear whether he was dead or not for for a long time but you do see him at the end so he does make it um yeah there was also like joe's girlfriend or kim huh. there was like a whole part of the movie where she was kind of doing nothing she was kind of like actively doing nothing yeah i like i don't even remember her being in the movie right. for and, a while and then we while. see her dragged and then she's dead mm-hmm. yeah or is she the one that gets dropped she's yeah she okay. gets dropped so, but yeah, before that she doesn't she doesn't do anything no <laughs> she, she even like is the one that protests the others like no joe's got priors we gotta we gotta be careful she gives she furnishes him alcohol while he's driving yeah. she's nothing but an enabler to this <laughs> monster that uh is him so how about the portrayal of the women in this movie mm-hmm. what, what do you think um I mean, it was definitely the, the main girl. <laughs> we don't know her name. Um, That's a big problem for yeah. me. Is I mean, I was I feel like I was able to keep track of uh, some of the, the other, other characters. Names, yeah. But this is what happens when you have an ensemble mm-hmm. as basically the same character. They're the teens. They're the city folk. Right. And the movie reinforces that that they're just kind of a group and they're yeah. gonna die in a cabin like that's a trope right, that right. isn't uh subverted but it does kind of blend them all away unfortunately yes. i remember chris's name steve's name joe's name right. i remember maggie's name because she had the cross and was weird mm-hmm. but kim and uh tracy are completely yeah they're, they're like memory. the good guys they're the well I, I guess there are no real bad guys in this one but they're the um uh... They the just, nice guys. They just don't have any agency. They have mm-hmm. nothing really to do, and I feel like they don't really influence the plot in any way, especially toward the end when uh, Chris and uh, the final girl are running away. I feel like Chris is the one making a lot of the decisions and like where they're going, stay here, until uh, the end, where she picks up the gun and basically has no choice. The plot right. dictates the movie needs to end. Yeah. So... It's a, it's well, a, she was saving him because uh, Pumpkinhead still had Chris. That's true. She did save the yeah. day. And that's something yeah. I like about uh, horror movies mm-hmm. is that they do kind of not worry about if uh, men are being hailed as the heroes or story because seeing a woman as the final girl is typically uh, like – a desperate thing it's like right. oh wow is she gonna make it and then she yeah. does unless there's another big scare right. um so that uh continues with the trope i thought mm-hmm. that was a great job that she uh delivers the final blow it's just once again i don't know who this movie was for because yeah. it's certainly not even for lovers of monsters uh pumpkin head is so slow right. and he doesn't really do anything except and lift he, people any kind of toys with his like for a while he was stepping on that last dude who yeah <laughs> who doesn't die right chris doesn't, doesn't die. die he was just like mm, you're yeah. not going anywhere buddy yeah but um I, the monster looked great though yeah so uh pumpkin head pumpkin scary head. not scary <sighs> not not scary 
No. Not scary. No, not and scary I'm sorry to any people who watched it in 1988 as a six-year-old and it just right. scared the Frightened pants them, yeah. off you because yeah. in this day and age, not scary. No. Why? Uh, maybe maybe it is because we've seen such better CGI and such better looking films that we like don't see this as a movie anymore. We see it as like a like a puppet now. I mean, think of the context. This was a director who was a monster movie creator mm-hmm. who had to create a monster on a shoestring budget. Right. So at the end of the day, there's something to be celebrated in that it's a pretty great costume. Yeah. I've uh, seen some yeah. other 80s horror movies from the era, and some of the costumes are embarrassing. Yeah, like this looks better than E.T. Mm-hmm. It yeah. looks uh, pretty much on par with the xenomorphs. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that is, but yes, I agree. Oh, from Alien. The oh, okay, okay gotcha, Alien. gotcha. Um, so one thing that kind of bothered me, and it's something that happens in 80s movies, you know that cicada sound that That's... accompanies? Yeah, the... Yeah, yeah. It, I heard it in The Thing first. And mm-hmm. I thought it was greatly used then, and I didn't realize that a lot of movies mm-hmm. used it because it's a really alien, weird sound. The mm-hmm. sh- yeah. cicada sound. I just found it really annoying. Yeah. Every time he showed up, it's like, all right, I guess he's he's letting out another one. Just mm-hmm. this, the sound of uh, Pumpkinhead letting one rip. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. Any other uh, thoughts you wanted to comment? Anything that uh, made you think? Anything that made you? Um, go, there was oh, like, that was weird. There was like um. There's a scene where Pumpkinhead, like, they're all in the kitchen or living room, and Pumpkinhead just walks by the window, and none of them see it. It's a large scene where yeah, he, Yeah, what'd like, you think of that? I don't know. I thought that was comedy. It seemed silly. Yeah. And when I look back on it now, though, I think, like, I kind of wish movies would do that a little bit right. more. I'm not thrilled that it's all of Pumpkinhead you mm-hmm. see walking by the window, but, like, if we had just saw, like, his tail or something like mm-hmm. that, just little, like, just gifts yeah. to observant audience members. Right. Um, I, I love when movies do stuff like that. In the most recent It uh, remake, um, there's the opening scene with, Pe- uh, yeah, with Pennywise and Georgie. Um, there's a shot of Pennywise, and his he starts to drool. Mm. It cuts to Georgie, and we get uh, cut back to Pennywise, and there is no drool. Hmm. There's something just really cool about gaslighting the audience hmm. that I really respond to. Um, so I like yeah. that scene in retrospect. <laughs> when but, I was watching, it was silly. But it was it looked really cheesy because it mm-hmm. was just like a huge guy <laughs> in the giant by. window, and <laughs> they're quiet. all like oblivious to it. Yeah. So that yeah. was odd. But it was also like just a machete. In the, the kitchen machete. Sh- showed up yeah. out of nowhere. Two cleavers, a kitchen <laughs> machete, um, in this cabin in the woods that they rented. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the last thing I want to say is that uh, Pumpkinhead, like I said, there's something to be celebrated here in that I don't think we would have as interesting movie monsters today without some of the you know giants that we've built on, like uh, the alien from Aliens that the studio created, Pumpkinhead himself. Uh, and yeah. It's just funny. I guess I haven't watched enough movies to know. Maybe I will because of this podcast, but I haven't watched enough movies to know if the idea of uh, a demon. I guess that is. No, that's a pretty common story. Mm-hmm. It's like in Hellraiser and a bunch of things of a demon being summoned for a person's petty needs, right. whether it's them wanting pleasure, them wanting vengeance, them wanting power. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pretty common trope. Right. So <laughs> if there's anything being perpetuated it's demons bad right. uh just deal with things Vengeance on your own mm-hmm. no. don't mess with things beyond your control mm-hmm. uh life is to be lived not to be tampered with not no. to be abused um i feel like there's common threads in a lot of horror movies like pet cemetery and just letting dead things lie mm-hmm. not trying to raise them back up not trying to get vengeance for them um so, uh, oh, sorry, you want to yeah. say one thing? No, there's a, there's a whole, back in the 1957 flashback, we see, like, oh, those are your sins, you deal with them sort of thing. People stepped away from it, and I, I like when it's, I like when um, it, it's not just like, oh, the scary beast is coming out for no reason. There's something, like, morally wrong that you've done that is, this thing's coming back for you for. And I like that the, the like, common folk were well aware of it mm-hmm. and knew the rules right it says you do not get in its way you let yeah. it do its thing it only kills those who have been marked is what they, they are say. there any real world allusions to something like that hmm i 
don't know. Because, of course, there are folk tales and stuff. You know, don't go out after dark or mm-hmm. the boogeyman will get you and things like that that people have made up. But I wonder if, I mean, this was a poem. I wonder if uh, there's uh, legends in rural communities of uh, vigilantes, essentially, mm-hmm. like that, that do the things that people can't do or won't do to get vengeance. Mm. Um I think it comes from uh, once upon a time of mob mentality of mm-hmm. people going out and taking the law into their own hands and then creating a story to right. because everyone knows what they did. Like yes. the whole town and strung up and lynched this guy. Takes so they, their guilt away. Exactly. Comes this, yep. Yeah. So in another way, I think I, I would have enjoyed it if there was more of like. Pumpkinhead doesn't exist without the like intense the feelings. Mm-hmm. This kind of seems to imply that you could go get Pumpkinhead right now if you yeah. wanted. Yeah. He won't do anything for you because yeah. you don't have vengeance, but he's a little itty bitty baby in the yeah. pumpkin patch. Um, and if you get some blood from your dead son, yeah. uh, and y- some of, oh, this is this, this kind of bothered me. Um, yeah, just like a, a special effects thing, you could easily see the the blood squib on the knife. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, oh. it's <laughs> like the the blood is flowing from the knife. To his hand <laughs> downwards. I'm like, oh, that's so easy when to get. he cuts his yeah. hand? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So I want to give a big shout out to uh, the actor that plays Ed. Who, who looks kind of like Clint, Is- Clint Eastwood? Yeah, Lance Henriksen has this face that looks like he was born to oh, be in horror movies. Great. He yeah. looks like a gravekeeper, mm-hmm. like all the time. Um, So this guy apparently has been working nonstop since 1980 you can look at his imdb and there is no year there's no year break he's constantly working he's still alive he's got like nine projects and uh pre-production post-production on imdb anything anything famous i don't know okay (laughs) (laughs) i feel like i probably should have looked him up but uh yeah so as always here's the part of the show where we talk about what we thought about the movie we rate the movie on a scale of zero to five thumbs zero being the worst and five being the best Pumpkinhead. What do you think about it, Mike? So, I know we said a lot of good things about the movie, um, but as a whole, meh. 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 Which isn't terrible. Right. Certainly not winning any awards. Yeah. So, how many thumbs? <sighs> how many thumbs? How many thumbs? Um, I think it deserves at least one thumb. I'm thinking about giving it the two. Oh, okay. Yeah. And who do these thumbs belong to? Um, I think one one is definitely a pumpkin. Pumpkin thumb is in there. Who gets the second thumb? A gross, thumb? gray, elongated thumb. Yeah, that's one thumb right there. Uh, maybe the uh, the the nameless girl. She gets another. <laughs> whoever thumb. we, the, yeah, the, whoever the she was, final girl whose right. name we couldn't remember. Right. Okay. Um. Sorry, I should ask why? Why two two thumbs? <sighs> hmm. Well, I think, like I said, what I, what I like most about movies is uh, like the moral, the lesson of uh, what's happening, and I think. I mean, there was like a, there was no meaningless enemy. It was like vengeance was the bad thing. So there was, there was that. That was, that was cool. Um, but it, it's more like a great concept, but a meh execution. It's just like, ugh, they missed a lot of things. And it's, it's just... easy to say that it's because it's his first time directing. Um, mm-hmm. It's easy to say that it's because he's more familiar with creature effects than maybe with um, scene-to-scene action right. Um, right. or even shot-to-shot, it feels yeah. like sometimes. And also, it's like we don't get to see any of the action. It's kind of cut out. So, I don't know. But it, it looked good. Like, the colors... Uh, the monsters like it looked like a good film yeah i gotta say those shots where it's like flashing you mm-hmm. know so that you don't really get a good look at the monster and things like that there were some really great uh shots right one of my favorite shots is i think it's a crane where um ed is discovers the plateau of pumpkins mm-hmm. and he climbs up on top and he just kind of stands there with his shovel and i'm like mm-hmm. wow that's a great wallpaper that's yeah. pretty iconic yeah, just yeah. like that's pumpkin head two st- uh two thumbs right. mike all right yeah, um, how about you I am also going to give it two thumbs. Two thumbs. And it's because... Now, wait, wait, wait. Let me ask you the same question. Whose thumbs are these? Oh, um, one thumb belongs to Jimmy Joe, the okay. poor uh, youngest boy who took Billy's ball. Um, okay. And the other... Ron Weasley, we'll call Uh No, that's Bud. Bud, oh, okay, that's okay. the older brother. Gotcha. J- Jimmy Joe is the little boy. Oh, the one they surrounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With. Okay, okay. And the other thumb is going to go to Ginger and her little Duclaw, mm-hmm. uh, the dog. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. And it's because the movie 
does a good job of uh, setting up a muddled, morally gray story mm-hmm. between a understandably enraged father and understandably confused and terrified kids who uh-huh. caused an accident. Then it doesn't really do much mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. It even has a monster in it, and it, it just he kind of just like meanders around. Yeah. He does not. Pumpkinhead does not deserve to be on the same tier as Pinhead, as yeah. Freddy Krueger, as Jason. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know if it was was it supposed to be a, like a scary film or this. The know. fact that you have to ask yeah. that <laughs> does not. Yeah, does not does not well deserve well. any more thumbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so this is the part of the show where I would turn to Twitter for all of the observations and guest uh, questions and analyses from Twitter followers. But this is the first episode, so we don't have any. Right. Hopefully next bad time. Bad on you, audience, for not predicting the show Boo. and sending uh, stuff out of time. Bad, bad, bad. Yeah. But that's okay, because next week we're going to be watching another movie, and you can be sending in all of your observations, all of your questions. Next week, I believe we are going to be watching Creep Show. Mm. So you can turn in next week for Creep Show. Um, Mike, do you have any other comments you wanted to say? I mean, do you want to talk about where people can find you? Uh, no, uh, they can't find me. They can't. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's good. You can find me through Kyle. That's that's how you if you want to get in touch as indirectly as possible. Okay, that yeah. sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> All right, join us for more on the gory days. Talk to you later. Bye. The gory days. Hey everybody, Kyle here. Thanks for listening to the first episode of The Gory Days. And remember, if you want your thoughts on each week's movies heard on the podcast, follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at The Gory Days. And look for more episodes each and every week on the Apple Podcast app. See you next time. The Gory Days, The Gory Days, The Gory Days. The Gory Days.